the meaning of pastor is to shepherd, right? Like you're, you're to lead people. And at the end of the day, like my responsibility is for the flock. In today's society, sometimes that can get wrapped up. It's like, oh, what does a pastor do? What does a pastor do? Like our community, I believe more than ever, and this is my opinion, is that it needs the church more than ever right now. Because if you look at statistics and you can talk about like the church or whatever, but at the end of the day, like the church gives more than anybody in the world. We at the Collective Perspective Podcast have set out on a mission to understand some of the most impactful and controversial trends and topics in our lives today. Hi, I'm Jeff. I'm Travis. I'm DJ. Can we find common ground in the middle in a peaceful manner? Not for political gain, but for real community benefit. We believe so. As veterans and concerned citizens, we are bringing together diverse views and fact-based research to navigate this tough terrain in search of a viable path forward. Only time will tell, but if we listen with open minds and try to understand each other, we just may find a solution. Or two, collectively. That is why we care about what you have to say. If something piques your interest or ruffles your feathers or tickles your fancy or whatever else you'd like, leave us an audio message at podinbox.com backslash collective perspective podcast, all one word, or directly on our show page at mtsjax.fm backslash collective perspective podcast. You'll have to log in, but that won't cost much more than your time. We'll be discussing your messages on the show, whether you give us a high five or say, hey, you better do some fact checking, fool. As long as it's positive and it's your perspective, we'll possibly give you some airtime. But remember, it needs to be family-friendly and not defamatory in nature. Hey, everybody. This is Collective Perspective Podcast, and we're here in sunny Jacksonville, Florida, talking with you collectively from the Main Street Suite at Mix Theory Studios. Collectively. Hey, everybody. This is Jeff with the Collective Perspective. We are on episode two of Homelessness, and we have our first interview we're pretty excited. His name is Jake Jottis, and he is a pastor, a good friend of mine. He is a man wise beyond his years. He is a loyal Christian. And, you know, we're going to talk a lot about church because church brings community. It's probably one of the only things other than maybe a sports community or anything that really looks after the person themselves and creates a community where people can go in different seasons of their life, as like church likes to use different seasons. Some seasons are good, some seasons are bad. Some are for growing, some are for learning. Some of them are death. So, hey, a pastor, Jake Jottis. Yeah, super excited to be with you guys. I'm looking forward to the conversation that we're going to have today. I know this is a very needed conversation, and a lot of people are unaware of the struggles that exist. And so super excited to be with you guys and super excited to have this conversation with you. Yeah, I think that that's right. A lot of people are unaware of ways in which they can help or even they turn a blind eye towards the homeless population when they drive by them or anything and they just keep on going. Exactly. Well, let's put it this way. I would say that a lot of people turn blind eye to church as well. And They think by handing someone that is on the street corner is helping someone homeless. Yeah, it is. But more than likely, you're helping their addiction. Where if you really want to help the homeless or someone that is homeless, you should reach out to your local church. And, Pastor, would you rather be called Pastor or Jake? I'm so used to calling you Pastor. Just call me Jake. (laughs) Just out of (laughs) So you currently work for a church right now? Yes. Yeah, so I work for... 
church called Reverb Church. It is in St. Augustine, Florida, and I currently am overseeing the kids' ministry at that church. I saw that. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, Thank that's you. great, man. Yeah. I, I've seen what you've done at the church that we were with, and, I, you know, you're amazing with those kids. I think you really connect with them on a level that makes it difficult for others to do, um, but you just make it look so easy. Thank you. Maybe it's somewhat of a kid yourself. Yeah. I, I you just know. know you too well, I guess. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But who who isn't? I am as well. Yeah, we're all just kids trapped in aging bodies. Where did you grow up, Jake? Yeah, so I actually grew up in St. Louis, Missouri. Grew up there, lived 22 years of my life. Nine of those years were in the inner city of St. Louis. Grew up the only white kid on the street. It was a great time. I, I loved the area. I loved uh, everything about it. And then moved out into the suburbs when I was nine years old. Culture shock. So lived the rest of my life out in the suburbs. I actually moved down to Jacksonville when I was 23 years old. Moved down because of... Which isn't that long ago. Yeah. No, yeah. I'm 28 right now. So that was five years ago. Moved down. I actually met my wife while I was down here visiting. And, yes. you know, once you meet a girl, changes everything. So congratulations! we moved down to Jacksonville, and that was that. Was that. Uh, are you the only one in ministry in your family? No. So my entire family has been in ministry. My mom was actually, she was a kids director at a church for 15 years. My dad is a pastor, has pastored for years and years. All of my siblings have been involved in ministry at one point or another. So we have a long history of being involved in the church and connected to the church and love serving the local church. So in previous podcasts, this always seems to be a label. Somebody, you know, I guess you have your number one label. I already know what your number one label is, and you're a Christian is your number one label, right? Would you say yeah. that's your number one label? Yeah. But he's also, unfortunately, a St. Louis Cardinals fan. <laughs> and some other crazy football teams. And well, stuff like that. Uh, Jeff's so a little you, strong on the football stuff there. I, <laughs> yeah, you know. Uh, it's just all fun and games. We get, into, we get into La Liga, and then we, me and him are going to be uh, brawling by the end of the day. <laughs> you don't even listen, know. listen, we have more World Series than the Padres. So, Oh, that is true. Um, hey. <laughs> Nice one. That's, well, you that guys have been good. around longer. Yeah, no, it was a good comeback. Six, six, six. <laughs> Travis, I almost brought you a pink Real Madrid jersey to give to your daughter, and I didn't think you would treat it properly, so I left it at home. You know, pink right now is actually pretty good for me. Especially oh, you wouldn't with, fit the shirt. I didn't either. No, That's with why. with family stuff going on right now. Oh. Check the tatas, ladies. Breast cancer awareness is not just one month, every month. I'm dealing with some stuff myself right now with my family, and uh, it's very important. Sorry, I had to get that out there. So the pink jersey would not be a bad idea. I'll bring it Monday when I go to your house. That sounds cool. You said you're a youth pastor. Uh, you've been a youth pastor before. What do you like about that job? Well, there's many things that I like about it. I think I've connected with kids for a very long time. With the youth, kids ministry, I remember growing up that age and the struggles that I went through and faced myself. And I remember 
that I had people that come alongside of me and help me through those things. And so I wanted to be able to do the same thing and be able to help reach those kids and be able to help those kids through those struggles that they're facing and help them better themselves in developing the character of God and really relying on God in the situations that they go through. I think it's important to have that base. Starting in an early childhood, I had a, a little bit of Southern Baptist. When I was growing up in Central Florida, uh, my mom, we would go to Temple Baptist down in Central Florida, Titusville area where I'm from. But the learning and the teaching and I think the ways of Christ and to be Christ-like is very important to instill in the kids to give them that moral sense of I'm doing right. I'm doing good. I'm not just in it. It is about me, but it's not about me. It's about the people around me and helping bring further them along. Yeah. Yeah. And, and too, like I have a education background too. My degree is in education psychology. And so you learn that a lot of the base of what a kid believes and is dissecting in life starts happening at an elementary school, you know, that starts coming about. And so just being able to help people navigate through that and help them make it through that season, because it's honestly, it's not an easy season as a kid. So you got social media, you've got all of these different platforms in the world today and all of these different views and all of these different things going around. And it's hard when you're by yourself trying to figure out in life where to go, what to do, what to believe and all of that. So sometimes it could be lonely. Very true. Very true. And I think that lays the foundation for our topic pretty well and giving them that base to build on so that they have faith in themselves, faith that they will be able to persevere through hard times. If they put their faith, I hate to sound like I'm preaching, but put their faith in God and their will and put their nose to the grind and they can overcome adversity, even from a young age. Like you said, they're being bombarded from all sides, from social media, their parents, their friends, everyone in the general public when they're out in public. Oh my God, look at that kid. No, they know how to have faith in a higher being or a higher purpose and get through those tough times. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that is knowing where community is because I think that's really important. And if you don't have family, then you have to reach outside of your household to find a community, but having a strong family. I know Jake has a very strong family. His father feels like everybody's father. Like, you know, he's just very great guy. Jake also helps homeless children. Can you tell us something about that? Yeah, so a couple years ago, um, there was actually a lady that brought at the high school that we were at because we were a church in a high school, Orange Park High School. So there was a lady that brought something that had been going on and something to think about with the kids at Orange Park. And what was happening was there were just about, I believe it was somewhere around 50 kids that were homeless within Orange Park High School alone. Wow. Orange and, Park, by the way, excuse me, is a suburb of Jacksonville. Yeah, it's in it's in Clay County. Just outside of Jacksonville, the line is literally five minutes from Jacksonville. But yeah, so there were, there were about 50 homeless kids, and she was like, is there anything we can do about this? And so we actually helped partner with Orange Park and... We 
helped raise food for these kids because a lot of these kids they rely on the school system because this is a it's a title one school it's a low income school so everybody gets free lunch and free breakfast and so these kids they rely on the free lunch and free breakfast but in spring break they're not getting that and so we don't know where they're going to get or their Christmas, food. Right? So, yeah, or Christmas, right? Any holiday, rather. Yeah. So in, anytime there's a holiday, these kids are not getting fed because they're not on the school system. So they're having to think about what they're going to get during this time, which is very difficult on a child, you know, to have to navigate through that. It's not easy for an adult, but a no. child, it, it's compounded even more. Well, and, where were the parents, though? It depended on the situation. So a classified homeless kid is you don't have a home address so some people could have been living with another family some people could have been living out of their car some people could be living in a park wherever you don't have a home address you are considered you were classified homeless in the school district how many of them had a mother or father that were homeless with them is that quantifiable yeah i don't know that exact number there were quite a bit of families but here's the thing too is a lot of them also had siblings in elementary school or middle school as well and oftentimes like these social workers aren't a social worker of just like one school they'll be the social workers of like three schools right so they know these families because they could have a kid that's five years old, 11 years old, and 15 years old, and they're all in different schools. So the goal was that we were able to get for these families this food. And so we provided meals, 21 meals over the course of seven days for these families to be able to not have to worry about having food. So three meals a day for 50 families. That's awesome. Yeah. So it started out as that. Well, the next year, a lot of the social workers caught wind of it in Clay County, and they wanted to be a part of it. And so the next year, every school in Clay County, which was over 300 students. Now that's grassroots right there. Started in one and it just spread like wildfire over a year. That's pretty awesome. And then... The next year, it spread even further, and we went into Duval, and we ended up that year raising about twenty-five to 30,000 pounds of food. Holy Not moly. only that is they got meals while they were at school too, right? So this, the last time that we connected with it was when COVID was starting. Okay. So okay. COVID was starting, and school was canceled. So right. Right. it was, instead of just spring break, it was weeks and weeks and weeks that these kids were going without food. So we just extended it, and people were bringing in donations, and we had probably over 30,000 pounds worth of food that was donated, and we were distributing. So we were connecting with the social workers, and what we would do is we would pack up our truck with food, and then we would take it to the schools, and the social workers would have all the names, and they communicated with all of the families And they were able to come get food. And then the ones that didn't have transportation to get it, then those food bags would have been distributed out to those families. Wow. That's a a pretty big undertaking, especially during COVID when there was no school for weeks, months on end. I was in California when it started, and they had certain schools that were set up in our local area for something similar out there. It was uh, bag lunches, though. I think it was just one meal you know, mid-lunch meal that the students could come by and they could pick it up 
And when there was a break, like you're saying, you started out as, they would come by at the beginning of the week, pick up the meals for the week. I don't know that that's more advantageous or not, but I did see small scale out there, but yeah. this is much bigger over here. Yeah, it started out, and I'd give a shout out, honestly, Miss Lesage from Orange Park and Michelle Colleague from Elevate Fitness, they were the ones that brought up the idea and the and need the need for it because of and I was unaware at the time I was unaware that there was fifty homeless kids in the Orange Park High School. I was like, how, how big is that school? How many do they have? Um, about two, three thousand students there. I think it's about sixteen hundred. Sixteen hundred. Okay. Yeah, it's okay. Somewhere around that. What was where they were dropping off stuff at the mall? Oh, yeah. We were doing food outreaches during COVID at the mall as well. So we would camp out at the mall and we'd open up to the entire public other than just the homeless kids. And we'd have truckloads of food come in to be able to do food drop of thousands and thousands of pounds of food. Chicken. We had trucks that had freezers in it. So we were able to drop off chicken, milk. Diesels. Yeah. Like semi trucks. Big, big semi trucks coming in. That's really good. So it appears that you have developed a system or it was brought to your attention. Shout out to those that brought it to your attention. And then you had a plan to tackle that one aspect of the homeless kids in the school. What about shelter? Is there anything that you guys do for that? I know some places it's pretty difficult to provide shelter for all the homeless. Yeah, it is difficult. I mean, and I think that there needs to be more in Clay County, to be honest, because there's not a lot of programs specifically for shelter in Clay County. And I haven't dug too deep into that, and I can't really speak on why there's not, but most of them were in Duval. And so if there was a need, we would call and see if there was a bed open and be able to provide something for them or get them an Uber or somebody would take them over to it to be able to get them the shelter that they need. Not just food. Food is very important, and to have a daily supply of it is very nice to have. But you had also done something else for the holidays, Christmas time specifically. Yeah, so the church did um, this thing called Giving Hope. And so what Giving Hope was, this was just for families in need. They didn't have presents and stuff like that. One thing that we do was turn the auditorium into pretty much like a big gift shop. And so the church would bring in toys and there would be by church. Awesome. Do you mean the members of the church yeah. would bring it? Yeah. Okay. Well, more specifically elevate life church to yeah. give them props because it's an amazing thing they do every year. Yep. Great thing that they do every year. And, um, so they'd set up the auditorium and turn it into a big like gift shop, have all these toys from, like zeros to threes and fours and fives, and they would set it all up. And, I mean, there would be bikes and basketball hoops and all these things. And so you could register. If you couldn't afford to get your kids presents. It wasn't dollar store toys. No, it wasn't dollar store toys. It was nice stuff. And you were able to come in, shop for your kids, and then we'd had a team wrapping the presents. And uh, it was a really cool experience for people to be able to come in and get presents for their children that's really awesome yeah because christmas isn't always about just getting you know clothes and stuff it's getting presents something that you really wish for or something that you can actually play with it's all about the giving at that time and i think a lot of us that 
have had things for a long time, we take it for granted and it's like, all right, well, we'll just get this. We'll just get this. But it's for some people's love language too, like to receive gifts. Oh yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. You didn't know, you didn't think I knew about that. Huh? Oh yeah. Five love languages. Yep. Yeah. That sounds like taking a page from toys for tots, but taking it to a local level and the Marines definitely do a great thing too. But this is a uh, more of like, Hey, they see an example of this whole crew of volunteers helping. Exactly. And even better, it is local. The toys, the gifts that are donated, that are there, it's all from local people and it's for local residents of the area. I don't know if you said this, Jake, but the kids weren't invited to the village, by the way. So, like, the parents would have to go and... Yeah, they would they would get the presents and then the presents would be as if it came from the parents, you know? So, when the kids got it, it wasn't like, oh, these were donated or whatever, you know, like this came from the parents. Nice. Yeah. Now, is is that something that goes on a, a couple weeks before Christmas all the way up until? Yeah. or so it's one day. It's, it it's one day. Okay. Yeah. So you'd register for it, sign up for a time slot, and be able to go in. and You have time to wrap it and make it more personable yep. and everything. Nice. What's cool is uh, you being a pastor, man, you get to help people on so many different levels, so many different planes from the homeless kid and talking to them and just kind of showing them that compassion, but also be able to teach kids and at the school level, valuable teacher that's underpaid, I'm sure. Then you go to church and you come up with the curriculum for the church youth program and what they see every week what music they worship to. That's pretty incredible, man. It seems like a really fun job, but also very time-consuming and demanding. Well, the meaning of pastor is to shepherd, right? Like, you're you're to lead people. And at the end of the day, like, my responsibility is for the flock. In today's society, sometimes that can get wrapped up. It's like, oh, what does a pastor do? What does a pastor do? Like, our community... I believe more than ever, and this is my opinion, is that it needs the church more than ever right now. Because if you look at statistics, and you can talk about like the church or whatever, but at the end of the day, like the church gives more than anybody in the world. And so the average attendee, if you attend a church, you give to a charitable donation, I think the number is like $2,500 a year. If you attend church, you give to an organization. If you don't attend church, the average is $500 that you give to a charitable donation. And the crazy statistic is this. like For secular organizations, 65% of people that attend a church actually give towards a secular company or organization. And 35% of people that don't attend church give to a secular organization. And so... It's crazy how much the church has made an impact in the community. And I think it's so important that the church continues to do that because the church will continue to lead the way in generosity. Why? Because to me, that is exactly what Christ did. And so it's important for us, if we want to show the character of God, you know, to lead by example and continue to help those that are in need. Can you explain to me the difference between evangelism and non-evangelism? From my understanding is this, is that an evangelist is out for the lost sheep. Just like Jesus left to go after the sheep, he left the flock behind, but he went after the one. 
I believe, right? Yeah. <clears throat> and there are churches that do not believe in going after the sheep, and they tend to their flock. I mean, the, there isn't new members that come in, and a lot of churches die that way because there is no new blood coming in. There is no survivors. Well, I would say that's a social club and not a church. Oh. You know? Like, at the end of the day, no, for real. No, you no, know? no, I mean, because, hey, man, it is, tell us, uh, that's why I brought it up because I think it's important that the whole idea of the show is to open people's perspectives, and if they don't know enough about religion, they just go, oh, well, they're just a bunch of, you know, Jesus this, Jesus this, and then they're hypocrite this. Yeah. And as you can see, like, it's so much deeper than that. I think getting involved in the church, a way that people could do it, and it may change their perspective, may change over time, but if they show up and their expectation is to meet people for community, I think they will find that. And the pastor that guides them tells stories from the Bible and how it relates to today's life. This is my experience in church anyway. And you see the parallels from 2,000 plus years ago, the trials and tribulations of the characters of the people portrayed in the Bible, we're going through the same things. It's very cyclical in nature that the stories there do relate to what's happening today. And when you show up and you're like, you start to meet people and you're just talking, oh, I know you, I see you at the store all the time. And you just have a conversation with them. And then you sit down and listen to the pastor and then it's, all right, I can get into this. You know, I'm tuning out the news right now and I'm listening to what he has to say and how we can overcome whatever, you know, this person overcame that adversity. One of the ones that I've always known was Job and all of his yeah. uh, tribulations that he went through and trials. He had faith in God and overcame everything. That person that just comes into the church looking for community, they can take that back to their own life and be like, all right, yeah, I can do this. And they go back for more wisdom from the church it does build that community and it makes you feel good about yourself that you see that you're not alone in your struggle. Yeah. I will say like not every church is perfect because they're full of people. They're full of people, <laughs> you know, and we're sinful in nature. That's just how it is. But at the end of the day, I'll give an example because, you know, we're talking about homelessness and empathy and reaching those that are in need and why it's so important. There's several, several passages in the New Testament where it talks about this and the importance of it. And one is when Jesus is telling the story about this guy, he was beaten up and, and he was stripped half naked. And then there's this priest, he's coming along the road, you know, and it says that the guy actually went to the other side of the road and he just completely passed by him. And then there was this Levite who came and just passed right by the guy. But then there was the Samaritan that came. He helped the guy. He put him in an inn, gave him his money to be able to get whatever he needs. And he said he was coming back to check on him. This guy asked a question. It was like, you know, who's my neighbor? And then Jesus tells the story. And Jesus is like, well, who do you think the neighbor was? And the guy was like, oh, the guy that took the guy to the end and help him up. And so I think about the story and how oftentimes as people, we become the priest and we walk by. And the priest, he probably was going somewhere important. Like he was probably doing something. He probably had a congregation to get to. Is this where the term Good Samaritan came from? Yes. Okay. So this is 
where Good Samaritan came from. So I figured. Yeah, good job. Uh, so so the priest, he probably had somewhere to go. You know, like oftentimes in our lives, we get so busy, we get so distracted with the things that we miss the person that is broken and hurting. Jesus was making a point here. And so then the Samaritan comes along. And in these days, Samaritans and Jews did not get along. They were not people that got along in this day and age. And so he's making a point by pointing out the Samaritan. And he says that the Samaritan, because he wanted to reference to the Jews, like make a point to the Jews that this guy is coming to help. And he bandages him up, gets him to the hotel. And it's like today giving him his debit card and saying, hey, whatever you need, put on it. And then I'm going to come back and pay the rest of the bill. You know, and and so oftentimes, like we just we were the priest and we miss the person that's on the side of the road that's broken and hurting. And we're not the Samaritan, which is looking and not caring what we have in the future, but helping the person that's in need. And it's so important not to miss that. So and I mentioned earlier, if you think you're helping someone that is struggling on the side of the road, if you feel something from a higher being tell you like, look you know what, I just can't pass this up. I have to, I just have to help this person no matter what. And you have to have that faith that you're doing what's in your heart is right. And no matter what they spend the money on, I came across after coming and doing a podcast, I kind of just felt like, man, I really got to help this guy. I walked by him and he kind of whispered to me. I ended up giving him my daughter's $25 gift card for Christmas. And my wife was upset about it. And I said, you know what? I think the gift card, it would have been a lot harder to spend it on things you shouldn't buy um, or that he shouldn't buy. I'm not anyone to tell him who he could buy, but I was hoping he would buy food. What kind of resources do you see out there to help homeless people other than the church? Yeah, that is a good question. I mean, there are several organizations that are out there that have shelters, and a lot of them are in Duval County, right here in Jacksonville. Obviously, you have those throughout the nation. Are they easy to find? Honestly, you could go on Google and type it in, and you would be able to find shelters. Is there a list at the church that says, hey, these, these places here have been good with homeless people. They may have beds available for you. You yeah. might want to try that. So a big one was like Trinity Rescue Mission. Okay. So that was somebody that we usually called immediately because they have some programs and stuff as well nice to be able to help specifically with drug usage or stuff like that so that was a big one we would always give a call so for example we had this lady come in to the church and she was homeless and the orange park area we had that quite a bit she came in and she didn't have a place to stay i actually out of my own pocket actually put her in a hotel for a week until she could get a bed. So you had her in the hotel for a week until yeah. she could get a bed. Yeah, so I had, nice. her, had her in the hotel for a week before we could get her a bed. We we called Trinity Rescue Mission. We got her a spot in there to be able to help get her the help that she needed during that time. Now, one thing that I think is missing, and I'll say this, like I could do a better job of contacting after that and making sure that they are getting the help that they need. And I think that sometimes we can do that. We, we just get them the help or whatever, and then we're on to the next thing or whatever. But 
I, I think it's so important, too, that there are programs that are really helping. I know Trinity does this more because a lot of it is more than just homelessness. So you guys were talking earlier, you know, you talked about that last episode on why people are homeless. Yes. You know, and if you go down Blanding, I'll just be honest, like Blanding, some people just want to be homeless. So they choose that lifestyle. They'll pitch a tent in the woods and that's their life. That's their life. You saw that community in the uh, the woods on Blanding. Yeah. Fort? Yeah. Yeah. So I know people that have tried to go back there and offer help and be able to give them supplies and they don't want it. And, you know, that's fine. That's that's what you're. That's a choice. That's a choice. The other part of that is we've talked a lot about charity, private charity, church charity, organizations like the Trinity Outreach. Is that Trinity Rescue Mission? Tr- yeah. Trinity Rescue Mission. Are those funded by the government? And are there government programs that are easy to access for homeless people? So, from what I know with Trinity, I don't believe that they're government funded. I okay. believe that they're. All private. All private. That's from what I know. Is private charity, churches, private organizations better than what the government can do? I think so. And is the government putting up roadblocks to what you can and can't do when it comes to feeding and sheltering homeless? Yeah. I believe that private charity is the best charity because I honestly think that you can get more for your money. I'm more conservative on this point, and I do feel that private charity is better than any government mandate or tax to say we're going to do something. Unfortunately, at this point in the in this series, we don't have a government representative. We'd like to get one on here yeah. and discuss this and ask them, honestly, what they are able to do and how they are able to help, and if they've reached out for partnership with churches or some of these other organizations. Yeah, and I think that that can get a little dicey sometimes, even the term Jesus, you know, or like God and like all of that being put into programs and stuff like that. I actually met an organization out in California, and they were fully private, and it was a 24-month program that they would put the people through if they were homeless, and it was like, to be able to get them on their feet, go through job training, all this stuff. And like they had like a 75% success rate of getting people jobs and out of homelessness. That's really good. But they were completely private funded because it gave them an opportunity to offer Christian services as well to them. So they did this program through this guy named John Eldridge. Incredible, incredible resources and um, it's called wild at heart and captivating and so they would go through these programs it's all about like healing healing your deepest wounds and all of these things that we experience it's really like this christian therapist that has written all this content and they go through this and then they actually do interviews like interview training with like people from google and like they do partner with other places to be able to help them get jobs in the future. So that's why a lot of people go private is because like, especially in the Christian realm, you know, because you're able to be more flexible with what you do and how you do it. I I think the government wants to stay away from anything that that has religion to do with it. And unfortunately, as you say that most of the congregates or churches in general, people that attend churches are I think you mentioned about 65% more likely to donate 
to charity? Yeah, 65% of people that attend a religious service. A religious service. Yeah, donate to charity. Here's a news article, October 2001, where a housing boss earns $1 million to run shelters despite a troubled past. So, you know, when you're talking privately, I don't see how somebody can make a million dollars for being an advocate for homelessness. You know, it's probably there, but I think those resources could have been spent better and had better results if it wasn't all on salary. I don't think it's the norm. I think there are people that take advantage of things, and so it wouldn't make sense to give to these companies or these organizations. I mean, at the end of the day, this is from Scripture. God knows the motives of these people's hearts, and and I'm speaking from a biblical perspective here, you know, and so what you gave, whoever gave to that organization, and somebody questions whether or not it went to good or whatever, like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have gave to that organization. At the end of the day, God's going to bless you because your heart was in the right place. God won't bless that because of their motives were where they were at. So when I stand in front of God one day, you know, God's going to say, listen, your heart was in the right place for giving what you gave. And God will take care of the rest for somebody who handled the finances the wrong way. And do I think that that person should be making that much off of that? No, probably not. You Karma's know? a son of a gun. You, you know, and so... Comfortably is okay, but a million? But here's the thing. Are they still operating? I would hope not. I also think, though... This is in New York, too. To, well, prices in New York are ridiculous, so maybe that is not out of the norm. It just sounds like a lot. I mean, someone in, say, Stark making a million dollars on a homeless shelter, that's not right. You know, but somebody in San Diego or San Francisco where housing is super expensive, that might be more normal. I have trust in our listeners, the people that are listening to us, that if they do want to reach out and donate to an organization, they would have the means and the ability to do just a, a five-minute research on the organization to see what they're about and if they are transparent. Hands down, though, if you are not into church, they have specific places where you can go into a church and say, I want to give to this specific thing. And the church takes it and uses it for that specific thing. It's not paid for maintenance. It's not paid for salaries. Um, they have A lot of these churches have missions set up to help these said people. That's important to know as well for people that just don't know where to give. You can have a stipulation to your donation. Say, I want this to go for food or I want this to go for clothing or shelter for someone. If that's a mission that that church does, they would be able to do that for them. Yeah, most places like, so for example, a lot of places they do initiatives for missions. So we'll do like a big give where they'll have specific initiatives that the church wants to reach. And so say we want to put clean water into a city, Detroit, whatever, the <laughs> a village or whatever, you know, still, I, so, I think the water's still dirty. Oh man. And listen, listen, don't get me started. Okay. On, I won't. That's on, a different podcast. Yeah. On right. dirty water. That's Jacksonville too. It's nasty. Well, we live in clay, so, <laughs> well, you know, it's still Florida water is nasty water, but, we have these initiatives. So if you want to, you know, clean water and you have a heart for like 
this place that we're doing clean water at. And you, you were like, I wouldn't invest in that. You could write a check specifically for that, and that donation would go directly towards that initiative. That initiative. Nice. So, and that's a, every church that I've been a part of has done that. I don't know if every church in America does that, but there's big and there's yeah. small churches, and then there's would you say uh, clubs, <laughs> social clubs, clubs. <laughs> call themselves churches. The whole idea of having Jake Jodis on was to show you a perspective of how. If you are homeless, who to reach out to? If you really want to donate and make a difference in someone that's homeless lives, because let's face it, a lot of Christians have a good heart, but there's also non-religious people that also care and want to help those that are less fortunate to them, maybe give them a step up and to donate it to your church to a specific mission if that's the case yeah and and i think that too like i i do think the church can get better in this area as well i think that a lot of churches rely on other organizations to make this stuff happen like we partner with other organizations and i think about my brother-in-law who is currently in prison he got 20 years he's already been in for three for jail and then now he's now he's in the prison i think about when he's going to get out What's going to happen when he gets out? I don't want him to be homeless. Right. You know, and I think we rely on organizations to be able to help, but I think that the church can do better. And this is just kind of like a future vision within Jacksonville to have the church not only rely on organizations, but do it ourselves. Like I would love to be able to open up a halfway house someday for- Or a housing community for homeless people to come and listen. Or whatever, you know, like- that isn't HUD. Yeah. So, like, I, w- I would love to be able to... Government or, funded. You know, like, be able to buy a apartment complex for domestic violence or, you know... Survivors. Like survivors. Yeah, or, amazing. like, a halfway house or a shelter. When, like, the church operate this and run itself, I think it's important for us to reach the need of the community and to make an impact in the community. And you don't need to... Give your life to Christ for me to be able to help you. You know, like at the end of the day, that's not the goal. That's not the, well, that is the goal. Well, like you said, everyone, Christ will you know? know where your heart was. Yeah, it like that, that's yeah. the goal for everyone. Like I want everybody to experience Jesus. So I believe that that's the best experience you could have. But my goal is not for a transactional relationship with you. You do something for me. So that way I do something for you. Like, no, like my goal is to be able to help the community, let Jesus shine through me and do everything that I can. Because I think that too, that there, there's there been characters of Jesus that have been misrepresented in, in the communities and just to represent Jesus in a, a light and caring way and show the love of Christ and to be able to make a difference from a local church perspective into the community. You've been listening to the Collective Perspective Podcast, a mature show with the intention of making a difference in society. Well, thank you, man. We really appreciate your time and your experience and just what you do. I mean, I know personally uh, you've put a lot of time, a lot of your heart into helping people less fortunate, specifically homeless, specifically children. And I think that's where the roots are, man. I mean, these kids grow up and they see this and it's impactful. They grow up and they see nothing. That's a different impact. Well, I mean, look at the impact that 
one person has had, or even if you take the people that brought it to your attention, but three people have impacted pretty much all of Clay County, and it's getting into Duval County. That's a big spread just from three people. One person that had the means to do it and two people with the idea to do it, That was that's big. It doesn't matter how famous you are, how popular you are, it's one good idea can spread like wildfire. Yep, exactly. Thanks, Jake. Thanks yeah. for coming. Thank in. you. It was a pleasure Fine. to meet you. You've been listening to the Collective Perspective Podcast, a mature show with the intention of making a difference in society. So take a ride with us. Join us at the Collective Perspective Podcast, where your personal truths get a little power wash. Like what you heard? Subscribe to the Collective Perspective Podcast whenever you listen to your podcasts. You can also show support for our mission by going to buymeacoffee.com backslash collective pod and donating whatever you feel inspired to. We appreciate any help keeping the lights on to bring you thoughtful and research content as part of this show. Visit the Collective Perspective Podcast show page on mtsjax.fm, Jacksonville's new music and multimedia network sponsored by Mixed Theory Studios. You can find the transcripts of this episode along with the show notes, material references, links you heard about, and more. Hey, I want to give a special shout out and a thanks to The Real Jay Dash, a Jacksonville hero, producer, and artist for sharing his original music with this show and to the Mixed Theory Studios for recording and production services. We couldn't have done it without either of them. Thank you so much.